Yo, I come from a small city where nothing is handed. Took my talents and made them work for me. Look where I landed. I know a lot of those out there really don't want me having it. They just mad that I'm creeping on them and they had advantages. See when my voice is on, I let my voice be the change. Put it in these communities, let it give them some range. Let them know that they got a shot at anything they want and it ain't all about the teaching, but really how they responded to Here on KBLA Talk 1580, we gon' get into it. The whole world don't smile, they out of your media. The others tell it, but they truths have some limits. Got some limits. We got that food for soul, not what they feeding you. Yeah. Black lives matter all the time. Yeah, let's talk about it. About the school of prison pipeline. Yeah, let's talk about it. Polish brutality out of line. Yeah, let's talk about it. All these thoughts running through my mind. Gotta talk I am about unapologetically it. progressive in efforts to fight for the people. Gotta exercise our voting rights and then push the needle. I'm walking tall, cause I know that y'all expect me to lead. To push the message, I am willing to bleed. I gotta get what I need. That's social reform, that's prison reform. I'm highly informed. Don't put down a pen, I got a list. I can't resist. I preach it till I talk with a list. And who you know gon' give it to you like this? Here on KBL, yeah. they talk 1580, yeah. we gon' get it. We gon' get it. The whole world don't smile, out of your media. Hey. Tell it, but they truths have some limits. Got some limits. We got that food for soul, not what Ay. they feeding you. Black lives matter all the time. Yeah, let's talk about it. About the school to prison pipeline. Yeah, let's talk about it. Police brutality out of line. Yeah, let's talk about it. All these thoughts running through my mind. We gotta talk about Ay. it. All right. Uh, I need a little extra time. You probably might understand today. By the way, I just came out the bathroom, right? And uh, I bought some greens, Miles. You drink greens? Not collard greens. They don't, they don't bring that in a liquid form yet. Do they got a uh, pot liquor? Do do they? Yeah. I bought some greens from a GNC, right? And I took it last night. But I just I just came out the bathroom, and whew, I thought Jeffrey Osborne was in there. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Lord have mercy. I'm just it was. I don't want to get to. It's a family show, but yo, let's just say the greens work. Is all I'm gonna say. I'm glad you feel better. I do feel coming up, Philip. Okay, we're active. Shout out to Ice Cube. Can we get this thing going? Let's do it. Yeah, let's talk about it. We got a lot to talk about right here. KBLA Talk 1580 Midday with Danny Morrison. Today's broadcast will be one of those times where I will ask you to place yourself in someone else's position. I want you to slip on someone else's shoes. Because for some reason, we African Americans like to open our mouths about certain topics, yet would do the exact same thing if placed in that position ourselves. Hypocrisy within the black meritocracy. Like when your friends are telling you to leave the person that cheated on you. But they've been stuck in a cycle of negativity within their own relationship for years. Or when a family member in the dating scene likes to proudly proclaim that anyone that approaches him had better have their crap together. But they're living in a one-bedroom, roach-infested apartment themselves and driving a 1983 Chevy Cavalier with ball ties and a broken taillight. Or the worst one. When someone tragically loses a loved one to gun violence and is asking for the public's help in locating the killer. But they've been quiet about multiple crimes within their own neighborhood for years and refuse to reveal valuable information that may have led to an arrest. Seems like it's only important when it happens to your family. But this topic of conversation is different. It's not about cheating. It's not about dating, and thankfully, it's not about homicide. Today's broadcast is about a topic that comes from uh, comes up from time to time on my show that I believe finds a lot of us kings and queens saying all the right things, but would do something entirely different if faced with the decision. I'm talking about gentrification. 
Webster's Dictionary describes gentrification as, quote, the process whereby the character of a poor urban area is changed by wealthier people moving in, improving housing, and attracting new businesses, typically displacing current inhabitants in the process, end quote. Pinpoint accuracy on that definition, huh? Yes, ever since I arrived here in Los Angeles, I found myself driving throughout multiple what were historically predominantly African-American neighborhoods, only to be surprised when I see more Brads than I do Braxtons. I see more Beckys than I do Beyonce's. And it seems as though we African-American Angelinos are faced with a turning point when it comes to our communities. Do we stay in our family's generational homes and take the financial hit by taking the noble route? Or do we obtain financial independence and cash out? Let me explain. Last week, I was inspired by a social media post that showed a group of young people that were out on a street corner here in Los Angeles with signage that read, Keep Compton Black. Now, I hate to break it to the picketers, <laughs> but that shit may have already sailed. According to the 2020 U.S. Census report, Compton, California is currently 35.2% white. 32.77% Latino, and 29% Black or African American. In other words, Compton of old is 1975 Michael Jackson. Compton of now is 2009 Michael Jackson. Still Black, but the shade done changed. The city of NW, that NWA made famous is now one of the most diverse incorporated cities within the city of Los Angeles. And people are upset. They're angered by the fact that white people are coming into our communities and outbidding black families and seizing properties that should have gone to another African-American family. And that's why I have to want to have this discussion with all of you today. It is muy importante. We all need to understand the full scope of why a lot of black families find themselves selling grandma's house and letting the free market do what it does. And I will explain to you in story form. Let me tuck you in. I want to read you a little story. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, meet Keisha. Keisha grew up in Inglewood, California. Keisha loved living there because not only was it her old stomping grounds where 90% of her neighborhood was African-American, but her mom lived right down the street from her, the house she grew up in. Keisha, a single mom herself, rented a home for herself and her daughter right up the block. She always wanted to stay close to her aging mother because her mother was in her twilight years and always needed someone close. As stubborn as her mom always tended to be, multiple health ailments had compromised her mom's stability and she needed 24-hour supervision, in spite of what she may say all the time. And over the last few years, Keisha has made it her life's work to, work to raise her own beautiful baby girl and care for her mom at the same time. But one day, Keisha showed up at her mama's house, and no one would answer the door. Every day like clockwork, Keisha and her daughter would stop by her mom's house on the way home just to see how mom is doing and if she needed anything. Come to find out, sadly, mom had passed away overnight. Keisha was now a par was parentless and an only child that had lost both parents in the last few years, and now a single mom too. And to compound the issue, she is now the owner of a deteriorating home that her parents have been promising her ever since she was a teenager herself. So after the funeral, days later, and the subsequent procession and burial, Keisha has some work to do and some big decisions to make. 
Not only did she have to worry about her mom's house that is now hers, but she had a home of her own still, and she was renting, and was smack dab in the middle of a two-year lease. And that's not even the worst part. Mom's house was in bad shape. Terrible shape, actually. Yes, from the outside looking in, it looked like your typical middle-class home, right? But once you get past the aesthetics, you see the underbelly of a, resi a residence that has a lot of internal issues. Cracked foundation, rusty pipes, mold in the walls, improper electrical wiring, windows that don't meet code, roof damage, and the structural integrity of the walls were on their last legs. The contractor handed Keisha a quotation that made her eyes pop out of her head. She was like, what? And her internal clock started running while trying to decide what her next step would be. She needed her mom's guidance, but mom wasn't there anymore. She needed a strong female voice that raised her to tell her what to do one more time. However, her mom did tell her what to do one more time. Kinda. Mom didn't have a living will because she knew where her house would ultimately go to her baby girl and her grandbaby. And, and mom did regularly have one request the few years prior to her passing away. She would say, and I quote, Keisha, when I'm dead and gone, this house is yours. You're the next generation to get it. And I would love for you to never sell this house ever, ever. Spending a family for four generations. However, if you ever did have to sell it, Sell it to a black family. End quote. Keisha received that. She even promised her mom that she would never sell the family home because it meant too much to the legacy of the family. That is, until the general contractor she spoke to started giving her construction estimates that were up to $300 a square foot. Way out of her price range. So after weeks and weeks of wrestling back and forth with the decision, Keisha made the difficult choice of placing the house on the market. With one simple caveat, find a black family to come in and keep Inglewood black. Families from far and wide came through to tour the home. Even a few black families threw their hats into the ring. But one thing became obvious the further the process went along. The white families were far more aggressive with their offers than the African-American families. One white family even asked her to give them the last offer and they will top whatever her best offer is regardless of what the number is. And Keisha was in a tough position. Honor her mom's wishes and sell to a black family no matter what. Or sell to the highest bidder, likely a white family, and set her and her daughter up for a lifetime. This is one single type of story in the land of gentrification. Multiple black families being faced with a decision to stay true to our people or stay true to their families. But we will be remiss if we ignore the adverse effects of gentrification, though. You've heard me mention multiple times on this broadcast that we African-Americans are losing control of our culture. The collective African-American community is on a downturn. And it doesn't help that those additional cultures are fighting to embed themselves into a black heritage that is fighting to stay alive. Which is another reason why this entire conversation bothers me on multiple levels. White and affluent people for generations have fought hard to keep African Americans out of their neighborhoods to keep their streets colorless. Working in concert with homeowners associations all over this country, making sure that none of us are ever given the opportunity to inhabit their neighborhoods with their racist and classist policies. But now the script is flipped though, huh? 
they want into our neighborhoods. And black communities all over the country are being accused of reverse racism as if there's such a thing. That crap doesn't even exist just because we would prefer that our black neighborhoods remain black. And that's exactly why I have no problem saying with my chest and the bass in my voice that we need to keep our neighborhoods as black as possible. If there's an option that's available to us. But back to Keisha, though. Keisha got a tough decision to make. The house is dilapidated. Her mom's bills are through the roof. And Keisha wasn't exactly in the best financial shape herself before the death of her mama. All I'm asking of us today is to give those kings and queens grace that may sell their homes to a non-black person. You never know what they may be going through. You don't know what type of trouble they were in. And if a check from a white family can alleviate all of the problems after a tragic death in the family, especially a matriarchal death in the family, I'm not one to judge. A sad fact is that with life comes death. It will happen to all of us. But that doesn't make dealing with or understanding it any easier. Let's just all try to understand people selling grandma's house a little bit better. Because you don't really know unless you've been there in their position. And some of them are already dealing with criticisms of mutiny. Let's not also have them deal with a loss in the family and unnecessary scrutiny. But that's just me. What do you think, L.A.? Tell me what you think. What do you think of gentrification, huh? Do you think it's a takeover happening in real time? What do you think the long-term effects will be for the black community? And can it be changed? Also, doesn't it bother you like me that some white people got the audacity to complain about black people criticize buying out the homes in our neighborhoods when they have been perennially working hard to keep us out of theirs? Is it the same thing, though? Better or worse, maybe? I don't know. Why or why not? And what is your message to the critics that accuse us of reverse racism for wanting to keep our neighborhoods black? Huh? And lastly... What would you do? You know this is the Keep It Real show. What would you do? Don't come in here with nonsense and conjecture today. I don't want to hear it. I want you to keep it real with me. Would you sacrifice thousands of dollars or maybe tens of thousands of dollars to ensure that a black family moves into your grandma's house? What if the difference between the white and black family was 25% or more? Would you sacrifice your bank account for the culture? Holla at your boy. Your voice is the change. Your voice is the community. Your voice is on. 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. You can also stream us via the brand new KBLA streaming app on your app store, iOS, or Android. It don't matter today. And that same app allows you to send me your questions and comments that I will answer live at different intervals throughout the broadcast. Plus, like, share, and follow your favorite radio station live on our socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at KBLA1580. Feel free. Follow me at Danny Mo Show on those same platforms, too. Plus... Me and my midday partner in crime, Miles, will take your comments via the ecosystem of our social network. Check this one out today. Muy importante once again. I will add another seven series to add to the topic of conversation. Yes, this gentrification conversation will be a hot one today. But let's not forget that there are some other segments of our culture that are being stripped away every single day. We always like to say that America loves black culture but hates black people. That may be true, but while we continue to come up with catchphrases and memes, America is robbing us in the broad daylight. My seven series today is 
seven elements of black culture that are being stripped away every single day. It ain't just gentrification. There's a whole lot more. And I will show you why we are in trouble unless we start showing things up in the short term. I'll explain. Add to the conversation with your phone calls when we come forward. Welcome to Middays with Danny Morrison. This is KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Let's ride. Making your middays meaningful. More of Danny Morrison straight ahead. We knew you'd stick around. This is LA's home for progressive talk radio. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. Yes, sir. Middays with Danny Morrison. KBLA Talk 1580. May I tell you what? The DMs and the posts and the socials are fire today. Keep coming. I want to have a serious discussion today. You know, we have fun on this broadcast all the time. But today, let's keep it real today. I want to have a real discussion because uh, there's a lot of me that is really upset that we are throwing families under the bus, black families under the bus that are just trying to solidify their financial stability, their, their lives. That's all they're doing. People are like, how dare you sell to a white family? How dare you? I pulled up the other day. Y'all know where I live. I live two blocks from SoFi. I'm in Inglewood, right? And there was a white guy walking up the block, walking a little chihuahua, a little white chihuahua. I went, wow. <laughs> Inglewood? <laughs> it's so good, though. It's so good. But I'm not going to be mad that some family somewhere probably saw it like, now, I'm not saying this is every case either. Matter of fact, Lisa right now, we're talking about this more. She said, what you're outlining is not every situation. I said, I agree. I agree. But why are we with one big brush assuming that every single black person that sells the home doesn't see like a financial crisis in front of them? There's a bunch of them that do. Some just do it because they want the bag, man. Wait, let me get this straight. I can pay off all my bills, give me a place, do a little traveling, get a new car. and go. I'm going to miss you, mama. But you know what? I'm going to miss that Lexus, too. I'm gonna, um, I get it. <laughs> But I personally know some situations where they get the house and one would think that somebody just came up on the house. Because let's be real here. A lot of us African-American families don't have things handed down to us. You know, I got parents that ain't handing me jack. OK, when they pass away, they're just in a position to where they can't do it. So if you find yourself fortunate enough to where your mama, your grandma, whoever can hand you down a home, consider yourself blessed. But I just don't want us all saying, oh, that's wrong. They selling out by taking that check from Brad. Well, that's not cool. And it's not true. Can we take a phone call here? Let's get it. Who we got? Roger? Roger that. Roger, give me your height, your color, and your hood, King. My height is 5'9". I'm Cedar Brown. <laughs> Where are you calling from? <laughs> I'm calling from Temecula, the wine country. Temecula checking in. Come on, let's do it, Miles. Let's go. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Should we, should we, should we, uh. Do we cheers to Roger? Should we, should we, Roger? Is that how we're getting down? Since you brought up wine country. Hey, look, I'm breaking up the neighborhood, man. I'm the only, uh, uh, fly in the milk, but I got him, I got him eating out of my hand. You the grain of pepper and the salt shaker today, huh? Well, drop that. Absolutely. Drop that for Temecula. Can we get a drop for my... Yay, yay, yay. Well, hello, Roger. What can we do for you today? So, so my brother, I, I totally believe in passing property down. And my, my dad had passed away, and me and my sister were the only ones living to inherit it. 
So uh, I happen to be one of those brothers that look ahead down the road, and I, I had a good job, made good money, and I found out uh, the way we could build um, uh, wealth was through property as well as stock market, et cetera, et cetera. So when I came along, uh, I, I bought one home, and I lived in Compton for 15 years. So I bought a home up in Compton, and uh, like I said, I, I progressed in my job. I uh, ended up buying a home across the street, so now I, I got two houses, right? So uh, I ended up uh, taking in a family member who happens to be other, the other persuasion, and, and I say this respectfully because uh, Compton is a strong black neighborhood, uh, my family member happened to be Caucasian or white or whatever you want to call it. And I saw that uh, culturally she wouldn't really have uh, an opportunity because uh, of how my life experience went because my, my family uh, had quite a few people uh, of, of the other persuasion in their family, and I, and I saw that it was very hard for them to socialize. So my point is... I, I left that house, I had enough equity in that house, and I moved to Altadena. So I bought this house up in Altadena, and um, it was it was gorgeous, man. This is a, uh, it was a uh, Mediterranean house built in 1924. And uh, I bought it from a black couple. They were going through issues with their marriage, and... The house was listed in 1987 for no, $300,000. Okay, moving forward. Uh, yeah, I need you. Uh, I'm, I'm up against it. I need you to, if you could accelerate just a little bit. Where, where are we going? Okay. <laughs> okay, to, 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 to accelerate, and I don't mean to drag this out, but I'm just trying to paint a picture. So uh, the house, I bought it for 157000 I just recently sold it. When you say recently, I sold it back in uh in uh, 2000 uh, uh 2015. I offered it to my children. You know, I said, "Hey, look, I want to keep the properties in the house blah blah blah." But the house had built equity up to a million dollars. You know, and what I was trying to cut a deal with my son, I said, "Look, you just give me 400,000." And we'll work the deal out. I'll, I'll make it work for us, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll 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 take that money you give me and buy me something up here, like I just said to Mekla. Uh He couldn't do it, you know. I, I and and then about that time, uh, I, I put it up for a meal. Uh, all I had was white folks come look at it left and right. I couldn't get a black family to look at it left and right, and I was willing to work with my people. So the upshot is uh, sometimes you get you get caught in that kind of crossfire when you can't pass it on. So uh, my my point is, do keeping it in the family. I was able to buy my children the houses with the money that I, I did uh, garnish from that, and at the same time, I said let's build our wealth. So I believe in keeping it in the black family. I believe. Uh, that we should, you know, uh, and, and and I talk to them constantly about building the wealth within the family. Uh, at the same time, I teach my grandchildren how to play the stock market. They're only 12 and 13, 18 years old. I got them involved in the stock market, you know. So uh, I believe you can build wealth uh, from the ground up. My parents didn't do that with me, but because of my education and exposure, 
I was able to teach them. You know, and, well, and build, make it. well done, Roger. Uh, the whole story, I mean, I got to say, it was pretty compelling. And uh, I agree. Got to give him love. No doubt. Financial literacy, I wish all of our parents taught us a little bit more about that. But uh, we're just kind of working as we go along. God bless you, King. Appreciate the call, okay? Thank you. Real talk, man. I like that phone call. 1-800-9, y'all keep coming. Uh, calls are coming in like crazy. I want first-hand perspectives like my man Roger. Do that today on gentrification today. 1-800-920-1580. Uh, news and traffic right now. We'll jump in on the other side. You know how we do. Middays with Danny Morrison on KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Stay there. Middays with Danny Morrison continues when we come forward. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are rooting for everybody black. KBLA Talk 1580. 1580. Black in the spot today. KBLA Talk 1580. Middays, Danny Morrison. And we are discussing gentrification today and what you would do if you were placed in the same situation. Huh? Phone calls coming in. I want phone calls all day today. I will pause the 7 Series today if y'all just want to talk all day today. It's all good. I usually pause the phone calls to get that in. But you know what? If y'all want to have this discussion all show, I'm in. Y'all drive. I'm a passenger. So uh, let's go to Anthony. Anthony, give me your height, your color, and your hood, King. I'm 6'2", caramel color, I guess. I'm from Torrance, but I'm out here in Beaumont right now at work. All right, Torrance checking in, Beaumont. Where is Beaumont, anyway? (laughs) It's uh, not too far from Temecula, actually, where the last caller was from. Oh, Uh, I'm by Riverside. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's it's far i don't like coming out here but um what's on your mind i wanted to get i wanted to give another side to this gentrification thing to where i think sometimes we do it to ourselves and it's not bashing us but this actually just recent recently happened to my family uh my grandfather died in like 2015 and my mom she was the executor of the will uh well, apparently, I guess he took my uncle out of the will before he died. Long story short, he sued us. And this went on for years up until October 2020. We finally had to sell the house because of all of the lawyer fees. And uh, Wait a minute. I don't mean to cut you off, but your uncle sued the family because your grandpa took him out the will? How can he sue the family? I couldn't tell you that, but he did. And somehow, after all them years, he was able, he had a case. And to get him to go away, we had to sell the house to wow. get rid of him. Wow. Hmm. And this is something that I think kind of happens a lot. And my dad had said, when this happens, death brings out the worst in people. And it was all about the money, all about the money, money, money. Not the long-term benefits that we could have all had had we all stayed together and we have this nice house in Baldwin Hills that we could have made money off of. No, it's that short-term little bit of money that you get right there. You only got 45000 house sold for a million. Um, yeah. That was more important, tearing us apart, getting what he wanted. I ain't going to say his name. I know somebody listening knows him, but I ain't going to say his Don't name. Don't say his name, um, please. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just something that does tend to happen. And in the end... Some white people did move in, and I I just can't even drive by the house. That is a disaster all the way around. You know what sucks about this entire thing? I bet there was white lawyers that were handling the entire thing. Yeah, there were, and then one of the lawyers, he did something wrong. I think it was a clause in the will 
that allowed him to get in, even though the will did say if you contest, you get nothing. But, you know, somehow that was null and void and he was able to get in and we had to sell the house. Did he, when your grandpa took his name out the will, did he get it, uh, what do you call it? Huh? Notarized, that's the word. Did he get a notarized or, or he did not? Maybe that's the problem. I believe he did. I was in high school at the time when this was happening. I didn't learn a whole lot about the case till later on. But he made the case that, oh, he was under heavy medication when he was going through, uh, he didn't do chemo, but he was under heavy, heavy pain medication, basically, and, uh, my mom did it under duress, all of which is that's hearsay. So you have to prove that in the court. Yeah. Which he couldn't prove. But So if the burden of proof is on him, how did he win? I don't get well, you're saying he didn't win because of the lawyer fees. You're saying you had to sell because you were losing we so much had money. To sell to get him to go away. The judge said I personally think he had the judge in his pocket too, but the judge said the money that it would take to take this to trial is the same money you would spend to get him to go away. So the judge said, you need to sell the house because as my my mom being the executor, the judge said that would be a misappropriation of funds. And it was it was just a big mess. I'm sure anybody listening that knows more about this could maybe put it into perspective. But pretty much they said the money it would take to get him to go away. It's a little bit deeper than what I'm saying. Actually, my aunt joined his side, too. So she had to pay Uh... both of them off. Yeah. So pretty much the money it would take, you you just better off to pay them off, sell the house, pay them off and go away rather than spend all the extra the spend more on lawyer fees to take this to trial and you may and may not win. Last question, I'll let you go. This is just a, a tragic case all around and the breakup of a family. I bet you guys still aren't talking at this moment, but um who had power of attorney when the will was being changed? Did anyone? Uh that no, he was still he was still under his own faculties. I, I guess he had yeah, he was under his own faculties. He was he didn't lose his mind and that's the case that he was trying to push that oh he didn't know what he was doing. Uh his mom my mom made him take his name out of the will under duress. Oh, they stopped me from coming to see my dad at the hospital. He didn't visit him when he was on his deathbed and he didn't come to the funeral. There's plenty of people to see that, but I don't know. I couldn't tell you. You were so right when you said coming out the gate, you said sometimes we do it to ourselves. All we do is complain about there's no generational wealth within the black community. And here we go. You guys could have really benefited as a whole from this home. And now it's gone. And white lawyers are just laughing, going, look at this easy case. And we don't even have to go to trial, man. And, you know, I'll say one more thing and then I won't hold you up. I had actually called a couple of lawyers just to explain the case and see maybe if we can get some help pro bono because we didn't have a whole lot of money. And they told me too, well, it sounds like the estate isn't that big. It's only a million dollars. It would make more sense to just go ahead and sell the house and pay them off instead of taking it to trial. These are what I was told from lawyers too. Mm. God bless you, King. Praying for you and your entire family. Hopefully you guys can... Come together this Thanksgiving and Christmas. Maybe get things back on track. I don't know. It may take some time. It may never happen. But I'm praying that it happens at some point. All right? I appreciate that. I appreciate you. Miles, that sucks, that entire situation. I mean, here these white lawyers come in. You know, here's the worst part about this entire thing. You got a black family, black house. You know, obviously it's a pretty decent house, right? And these white lawyers come in. They take 
a bunch of the cash from the equity in this house. And then at the end of the entire process, a white family moves in. You know what? I've, I've been through very similar situations with my family. Mm. And it wasn't until you said white lawyers that made me made me cringe up like, ooh, yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah, it is crazy of all the of the turmoil that a family will go through. Who really benefits 100%? Who yep. doesn't have to deal with anything? They're just doing what they do. So. But have you ever dealt with a death in the family? Uh, when a death in the family that's happens. What that's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. We've, we've we've had a few few properties in my family that have ended up being, uh, for multiple reasons, end up having to be sold for, you know, to, to uh, uh, suffice the family. Yeah. It uh, A death in the family does one of two things. One, it brings everybody together, harmony, let's all get together now. This is what grandma or grandpa would have wanted. Or the exact opposite end of the spectrum where people are just claws out. And people are just showing up at grandma's house saying, okay, I want the TV. Okay, I'm taking a wash and dry. All right, who going to get a car? I want a car. I saw more than you. Boom, 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 boom. It goes back and forth. And it sucks. And this, in this situation, lawyers come into the mix. And this is why, even though you do want to have a functional family, there's grandma in fault. Yeah. But at the same time, they didn't know any better. So we can't be mad at them for not knowing any better to make sure this kind of stuff is taken care of for them. But nonetheless, though, this is... This is a generational curse. This is literally what it's called. We're making the case for a living will right now. <laughs> We're making the case right now. But here we go. They had one and took him out. And I don't know. How are we doing on time? Uh, Farron, I'm coming to you next. Farron, I want you to keep it locked, okay? Because uh, we got Morris on the line. We got a bunch of people checking in. I told you, y'all want to do all phone calls today? We can do that. I got some house cleaning. I got a seven series. But this is too important a discussion to sweep under the rug. We're talking gentrification today. We're talking about how it relates to us in the African-American community and whether or not we should always assume that some brothers and sisters is out there cashing out. I'm here to tell you, it's not always the case. Middays with Danny Morrison on KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Stay there. We know you have options, but thank you, thank you for making the best choice. The only station in L.A. of the people, by the people, for the people. We are unapologetically progressive. We're listening around the clock, around the clock, and your time to be heard is right now. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Middays with Danny Morrison on KBLA Talk 1580, talking gentrification today. What you would do if you were placed in that situation and on the phone right now? I've been trying to get this cat to call this broadcast for weeks. He is easily my favorite poster on social media. He always comes in and just sets it on fire. I said, man, if you don't call my show, all this typing without one misspelled word. I'm like, this cat is sharp. We're going to see if he's sharp on the mic, though. Farron, get up in here, man. Farron Doja, give me your height, your color, and your hood, King. Man, I'm 6'3", light brown, and I'm out here in the IE. You got a lot of IE callers today, right in the row, huh? <laughs> yeah, I seem like all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what up to Inland Empire. Check it. What's up, King? Bringing your royalty in. Man, I'm in. good. <laughs> What's on your mind? Come on. Set us straight. Break it down. I'm going to just shut up and let you do your thing. What's on your mind? No, you know what? When I saw the post this morning, man, I, I had to check my emotional reasoning first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so when I saw gentrification and all that, you know, I had to look through my, fil- my new filters that I live life through. And, you know, I thought about myself. And I said, you know, my dad did his best in my 20s to try to tell me to buy some property. But he told me to buy a parking lot just to have something that you could, people 
might pay you to park on it. But at the time I was in the military, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want no property. I was traveling, you know, and every three years you move around. It's like, I don't want to try to sell my house, buy a house, sell it. So I was like, nah, dad, I'm not interested. But as a, you know, I've owned my home now for 12 years. I'm still in, I'm in that same kind of position now. Like, do I leave this house to my daughters mm. or do I sell it and just put the money in the bank? Because I want to move. I want to like maybe live in an RV or something. So um, this conversation was really close to me. And also my grandfather passed away and my aunt and my mama, they're dealing with this same situation right now. But my grandfather left in the living will to sell it so they don't have any, any arguments. So nobody can buy it from the, from the children. And I'm the grandson, so I'm like, man, do I sell my house and buy that house? Mm. And, and be because I know it's a craftsman home. And when you peel off all that paint, it's like wood, real wood. This is built like 1908, man. Wow. So knowing that, and it's right now far from where you guys are in LA. So it's like, do we, do I sell my house to buy that house? But then it needs so much work because he never really did any maintenance to it. So. See, you're talking Karen, about I, the foundation. What I love about what you're talking about, you are breaking down everything I mentioned in my opening monologue right now. Like, it all sounds mm -hmm. good. That, Hold on to Grandma's house. You can't sell. <laughs> it was in the family. And right now you're saying, yeah, but once you peel off all the paint, you got... Can you blame a black family going, no, we're going to sell to get up out of here. Them white people can deal with all that. Is that wrong? Uh, okay, so he, now here we go. This is why I posted on your page. First of all, this word gentrification to me is just another recycled word to uh, trigger exclusion or inclusion. So you talk about white people coming back into the hood. We don't, my, my dad would tell me he couldn't go across exposition back in the sixties because it was white folks in that area. Mm. So this, the, the, you know, history repeats itself, however you want to articulate it, but it's, they're coming back to their community. They're coming back to live in these areas. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's just, you know, people are connecting and it's not a racial, it's really not a racial thing anymore. But because because of the emotional stuff that we deal with in our, as a black community, everything seems to be triggered by we're included or we're excluded. But these are the white people that were, their ancestors were no different than ours. They were Irish, Polish. They're just trying to get back into their, you know, wherever they want to live. Yeah, so but fair, here's the problem. They won't let us in that neighborhood. They won't let us up in there. So why should we just open our, our arms and say, come on in, because you were originally here. Somebody told me this morning, I got to verify it. They said, I guess, Mayor Bradley, when he first got a home, was near here, and he couldn't get in there because I guess this entire area was pretty Caucasian back in the day. So he had to get it in somebody else's name when he was on the police force here in Los Angeles. So it's like, they won't let us in their neighborhoods, but all of a sudden, we supposed to just sing Kumbaya and let all these white people back into our neighborhoods. I don't think that's fair. Can you hold on? I'm not done with you. Can we hold on? <laughs> don't you go nowhere. Can you stay? You stay right, right. there. All right. 1-800-920-1580. Midday's the day anymore. It's the KBLA Talk 1580 talking gentrification today. Don't move. Making your middays meaningful. More of Danny Morrison straight ahead. KBLA Talk 1580, unapologetically progressive radio. Black owned and operated from the heart of Lumert Park, USA. The heart of Lumert Park, USA. We're listening, and the convo continues right now. KBLA Talk 1580, middays with Dandy Morrison. A serious discussion today on gentrification. We're talking to Farron Dozier right now. I hate to put your government name out there, but you know me. <laughs> Seem like I know you already. You were talking about how you may sell your own home. 
to get the home of your family, but it may take more work. Do you think it's worth it in the long run to make sure that the family, I don't know if that's an heirloom, is that an heirloom, stays in your family forever and some white family doesn't come move in? You know, man, it's I, I'm really challenged because they bought that house when I was one year old. I'm 51. So that's I got 50 years of memories and emotional ties to that property, man. And so as a grandson, as the oldest grandson, it's like, do I uproot myself to take that property? But I live in the Inland Empire. My house is not, you know, a little bit less because it's the IE, but I'm not far from what that house is worth. Mm. So I'm just going to let it go because at the end of the day, I don't want to cause any confrontation with the family either. You know, so it's like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm the grandson, but I'm going to step out and, and let them divide the house and do what they need to do for themselves uh-huh. and then figure out my own property. See, this is what I'm talking about, Farron. Like, you know, we here's what I, I don't like about us a lot of the time. And, you know, I, I spend on this broadcast a lot of time building us up, but it just seems as though almost every black family that comes on to this broadcast is fractured. It's crazy yeah. that we don't come together and love on each other, support one another. And in serious decisions like this, when the matriarch or the patriarch or both of the family pass away, we can't just sit down and figure it out. It seems like the claws always come out. And it, it sucks that you're saying, I'm going to just let it do what it do. And whatever they want to do, I don't want no part of it. It's like, really? I got my own house. I got my own house. I understand that. But why can't we all come together and figure it out and figure out some way to keep it in the family if you can? Because I'm telling you, Brad and Angelina are rubbing their hands together <laughs> right now. Won't they? Oh, house? man. I, I, I already know. Hey, hey. Danny, I already know is they're gonna pick it up. I have no doubt in my mind they're gonna pick it up. All right, man, King. Let me just say officially, I love you so much on my socials, man. I always say I want this to be the most intelligent audience and in talk radio, and I want my socials to do the same. You always come in and set it off every single day. I love you so much for that and appreciate you. Is he gone? Bye, Farron. <laughs> yeah, this discussion. I I love this entire discussion. I love that gentrification is something that we can sit down and have an honest discussion about and the different perspectives perspectives that you're getting. Big word, ain't <laughs> that's it? A, that's, a, that's a big one. Can I buy a vowel, please? That right there, that right. You're getting is only painting a wider picture. And people always think that it's just one thing. You know, they already think that we're a monolith as a people. I'm here to tell you, in this situation, we're really not. When somebody sells their home in a neighborhood, you've already heard four <laughs> in this first hour of different perspectives from people that are dealing with gentrification themselves. So don't just assume somebody, I'm cashing out. I've always wanted to go to Europe. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get that Range Rover. I'm a, I know my mama gone. I'm going to miss you, mama. But uh, I'm going to drive a Range Rover to the funeral. I'm, I'm just saying. That's not how it is, y'all. There's a lot of pain associated when there's a death in the family, especially when it's mom or dad or grandma or grandpa. It is. We will continue these discussions. We haven't had this many phone calls in a long time. Maybe we'll touch on this very in the very near future again. News and traffic right now. We continue on the other side. You know how we do middays with Danny Morris, KBLA Talk 1580. Stay there. Imagine that. Lauren Hill, come on. Black Diamond is a pearl. Uh. Could it be if you could be mine, we both shine? If I rule the world. Still living for today. 
in these last days of time. Uh, that is right, a heater right there. That's a heater right there. Wow. Nas, all time? Top five? You could argue. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Every Whenever somebody gives their all-time hip-hop list, half of them got Nas on and half don't. You could easily make the case. You can make the I'm not going to make the case, but you can make the case. He doesn't have the catalog. Uh, I don't He's, know about that. I think he got the bars, not the catalog. Who was that made the criticism of him recently and said he's terrible at choosing beats? Yes, definitely is. So doesn't he, isn't that a fair criticism? He doesn't have the catalog? All-time lyricist, easily. But, nah, because, I mean, Eminem has some questionable beats, too. Very much so. <laughs> and that's why people dropped him out the top five. How many M songs do you listen to today? Not a whole lot. <laughs> I don't listen to. I them. think he didn't age well, but at the time, you can't. Let's not deny that the impact these brothers had on the hip hop culture wasn't. Oh come on! All time great. M is the all time uh, selling hip hop artist. So He's also arguably the best lyricist of all time. Arguably, I won't argue, but same way with Nas, you can't argue. But it. you can make the case easily. Uh, we're talking about gentrification today. Um, talking about how it impacts us in the black community. Uh, there's some people in my DMs that are saying that, once again, we're attacking white people. and That's not what we're doing. It's not. I just, I find it interesting that some have the audacity to get mad at us when we say we want to stay black. We're the only race of people on earth. When we say that, it's seen as racist. I was at the gym the other day. I go to LA Fitness right here on, uh, what is that? What street is that? I'm trying to figure my streets out. What street is that? You know better than me. Oh no, bro. It's uh two blocks from SoFi right there. I don't know. There's that taco right there. I know where the food is. There's an in and out burger right there. There's a Target right there. What is that? Century. Century Boulevard. See that? I knew you would know. So I'm at LA Fitness and I'm like, oh, I gotta get some stuff for the house, right? There's a grocery store in the same parking lot. All Mexican. All of it. Signage inside, all Spanish. All kind of uh, Latino goodies inside, too. I was like, this is fire. Don't nobody say nothing, no. Don't nobody say nothing. You know what they go? Cool. That's community, baby. I say the same thing. Shout out to the brown. Do it big, brown. We do it, it's racist. If we say we only gonna hire black people, it's racist. When we say we only want black people on our sports team, it's racist. They are so afraid of us any single time we come together as a community in any way, shape, or form, small or large, it's racist. And that's what I'm sick of. That's why when I say we want to keep these communities black, I say it with my chest. Y'all say what y'all want. It ain't racist for me to say we are trying to hold on to community right now. I had somebody call last week and say there's no such thing as the black community anymore. You know what? You can make the case. You can make the case. You can. I know where the Latino community is. I know where the Asian community is. White community is the whole freaking country. Black community, if you said, where's the black community in Los Angeles? You'd struggle, wouldn't you? I know that. We are the only ones doing it. So now, on top of that, as we are just holding on as much as we can to try to adhere to our own community, you mean to tell me we should be receptive to any other races of people coming in and trying to uh, inhabit our neighborhoods? I'm sick of that. I'm not doing it. Y'all can do it. I'm not going to do it. 
I'm looking for us to have ownership for the first time here. That's why I'm always beating us over the head when it comes to black business. Y'all got the audacity. I'm, I'm serious here. To not shop with our people? Like, for real? I'm still trying to put mine together here. I'm about probably 15% right now. I'm trying to get to more than that. And I only, like, said I was going to do 10. We got to grab each other by the collar and go, let's do this. Because do you guys recognize what is happening in real time? We're being phased out of these communities, phased out of these neighborhoods, phased out of these buildings. What did they say where uh, SOM Books is? I'm watching Insecure last night. I'm watching SOM Books on the episode. I said, that's bomb. That's fire. I love seeing SOM Books on the episode of Insecure, even though this season is very disappointing, but that's a whole different conversation. However, I'm told there's another owner of that building and they might have to move. And once again, we complaining that Keisha got an attitude with our black businesses. It, it, bothers, it bothers me so much. So when we say we only want African-Americans in our neighborhood, you say it with your chest. Don't be feeling bad about that. Don't. But on the other side, which is what we're talking about today, when a family says we cannot afford to take this house, put it back together, we, we can't, property tax, we can't. We gonna cash out, split the profits, and bounce and solidify our family. I go, I understand. Could you try to keep them black? That'd be great. But I'm here to tell y'all, it's gonna be very rare that a black family has more capital than a white family coming in. Just because of systemic racism in this country. But I do want you to say it with your chest. Shout out to those kings and queens that were standing on that corner saying, you know, keep Compton black like I said. It's a losing battle because that, that ship done sailed. But just the fact that you are trying. I love you for that. But you know what? Ain't nobody saving nothing if we don't support one another. I find it funny that we want everybody to stay black. We want everybody to shop black with all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? You know what? For us to get the capital to actually have the money to hold on to these houses in our neighborhoods, we got to support one another, which we don't do. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, man. It's like, so what, you, you, you don't have the money to keep the house because I won't shop with you. <laughs> but we want you to work hard at doing it anyway. Makes no sense. What do y'all want? You want it or not? I want it. I want us to come together and make it happen. You want it or not? If you want it, we can make this happen. But you can't say, I ain't going to shop black business and say, stay in your grandma's house. They go hand in hand. Black hand on black hand. Give me five on the black hand side. Who was that? Give me five on the black hand. Who was that? Man, I don't, that's... I think that's Latifah. We got to look that up. Give me five on the black hand side, I think. I don't know. Any comments before we... I know we're up against it. Yeah, I want to uh, start a new hashtag instead of uh, keep Compton black. Let's make Beverly Hills black, man. Let's Come take on. over. That's Let's what I'm go. trying to do, man. That's I'm a, trying to... Isn't it weird how we never look at those areas? We always look at... Well, I mean, I, that's tongue-in-cheek, of course, because... Is it? I, I think so, because if we can't afford the property tax down there in Compton, I don't know how we'll be able to afford the property tax up there on in, in the mountains. 
But I, I I get the point though. That should be the goal, I guess, elevation. But I'm just saying, let's do it. I don't think it's. I'm with it. <laughs> I'm totally with it, man. By the way, last question. This is off topic. Why are there so many donut shops in <laughs> in like Inglewood and, and Compton? What is that about? You don't like? Uh... I love donut, but there's like ten of them in a two up two mile radius. Why? People like donuts. What <laughs> do we like donuts that much? I mean. Uh... The chicken places, I get it. We 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 specialize in chicken. We love chicken so much, it's a stereotype. I get it. Uh, but donuts? Is that part of it? Trap, my brother. That's what it is. It's a trap, That's my what brother. I'm trying to tell you, man. See, you, you're not looking between the lines there, partner. You know what I'm saying? What they mean by chocolate donut? What they mean, huh? Randy's donut. Yo, Frank, come on. We know what's up. Come on. It's a trap. All right. When we come forward, we're getting the phone calls. Morris, I see you. We got, man, the, the switchboard is lit. We coming to all y'all. Don't go nowhere. Midday's is Danny Morris. The KBLA Talk 1580 talking gentrification today. Stay there. Nobody's perfect, but everybody's important. Don't change the dial. We've got a lot to talk about. This is KBLA Talk 1580. This ain't your grandfather's talk radio. The conversation with Danny Morrison continues right now. Right now. Uh, let's take a really uh, quick... Uh, break here because I want to bring in a queen. Check it out. I'm buying a gift right now for somebody very special. And uh, I went to Lisa and I said, I want to use a black owned business when I do it. And she said, I got just the person for you right now. Go on and introduce yourself, queen. Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. My name is Janae Coleman. I'm the owner of Kingdom Royalty Boutique. It is actually an online boutique here in Los Angeles. I started Right after the pandemic happened, I was a restaurant owner. I mean, I'm sorry, not owner, but uh, I will be. Like, speaking <laughs> into existence. You're to look ahead. It's right, all good. Right. Speaking into existence. Right. Um, I actually was a restaurant manager, and when COVID happened, the restaurants shut down, you know? So, of course, entrepreneur in me kicked in, and I'm like, well, I still want to make money, even though I am a realtor. It's still, even I was shut down for a second. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs clothes and food, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, okay, well, let me sell clothes. I started to sell shoes, selling clothes during the pandemic and it's been amazing so i've been able to bring beautiful fashions to ladies at an affordable price so i love it and i'm happy to share and thank you for purchasing from our boutique Mm -hmm. i really appreciate the love i was really surprised at how you were able to balance on social media your real estate agency and your boutique explain how that's even possible um, <laughs> Instagram made it very easy from you just click on the top and you can go to different accounts. But yes, it definitely is. It, it presents a challenge at times. As you see, I just started following you, but mm-hmm. not by purpose, not on purpose, but just running so many different accounts, being the one person running those various accounts. So you from, do all that yourself? Yes. I do the videos, photos, marketing, everything myself. Wow. So uh, yes. tell, tell us some things that they could get at your boutique. You can What's get, the name of the boutique, first of all? Uh, Kingdom Royalty. Kingdom boutique. Royalty. Yes. And you can find it on Instagram, Facebook. Even we have a website. It's mm. www.kingdomroyaltyboutique.com. And, yes, I actually just start, um, had a fall collection that just dropped a month ago. I'm pretty excited about that. And we're going to expand more. We will have men clothes plus size. So it will grow. It's Is it evolving. only women right now? As of right now, yes. But it will expand. So give me the number one um, obstacle, let's say, that you are faced with. Being a black-owned business, it looks like you're a sole proprietor. Um, yes. How tough is it as a black queen running a black-owned business, especially coming out of a pandemic? 
It's very challenging because you have so many people starting up businesses at the same time. So mm -hmm. you have like multiple boutique owners, multiple people kind of almost trying to do the same thing. And you it's almost like a rat race. Like you're trying to win. You're trying to be the one ahead of the race. As So you have to separate yourself. You have to be very unique. So my uniqueness is I'm just very my authentic self. Like when everyone meets me, I am myself. I am Janae. I don't change for other people. You know, I'm myself. And... When I meet people, I compliment them and let them know, oh, by the way, I have a clothing boutique. So just being your own, like, brand, like, walking around and telling people what your brand is and continuously pushing it, continuously marketing. And, I mean, yeah, it gets challenging, but... Yeah. Without, I mean, being a mother. Yeah, you're <laughs> you a mother, have, too. Yeah, I'm a mom, too. Yes, I have a 13-year-old daughter and a 9-month-year-old son. Wow. So, yes. You so, got a 9-month-old? Yes, I do. <laughs> wow. Last thing, and I'll let you go. Yes. How do they get in contact with you and cop some of your, your goods up in here? Yes, you can find me on Instagram at kingdomroyalty underscore boutique and also online at www.kingdomroyaltyboutique.com. One last thing. I know I said last thing. One more. No, it's okay. Give some advice to those up-and-coming entrepreneurs that want to do what you're doing. Never give up. Always stay down for the come up because it look look where I'm at. I stay just... down for the come up. That's a nugget. Yes. That's a bar right yes. there. No, I'm very serious because you never give up on yourself. Because a lot of people have told me, oh, you have this going on, that going on, that going on. My thing is plant your seeds, okay, mm. and watch them grow. And that's just what I do is I just plant seeds, and I'm watching them grow right now. Look, I'm even eating the fruit of my labor right now from being here on the talk show, on this radio show. You're spying my product. My product's expanding. You know, that's a beautiful thing. And mm. I just never gave up. Wow. Never gave up. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much for your assistance. I appreciate you so much. Thank all you right. for having me. I'm so happy to be here. look forward to working with you all more. Yeah. I think this is just the beginning. I know, right? <laughs> all right. Thank you. I got to kick you out of here. But uh, thank you, you so much. Go back to the gentrification conversation. <laughs> <laughs> right. You should jump in. Well, yeah. I mean, I can. All Let's right. talk about it. Yeah. Well, so, real quick. Give me a story that, you, that you've experienced on gentrification. Well, I am a real estate agent, so I, you know, see both ends of the spectrum from people selling their homes, from people trying to hold on to the homes for the family, but the neighborhood is changing, good and bad. Mm. So what I can say is look into your future. Don't just think of the right now, because some people have gained a lot of equity just in five to seven years. Right. You know, so don't think of one year, two year. Think five year, 10 year, 15 years from now. Where's the market going to be? What will this house mean to me? You know, and. But the house is falling apart right now. And grandma's gone. And the family is bickering over who gets the house and who gets some of the items inside. Then it's kind of tough to say, let's think five, ten years in advance. Well, then that's where now we have to start planning ahead. Well, we already see what has happened to other families, so let's learn from that. So let's start having trust for homes. Let's start building financial literacy within the family more than anything. Mm -hmm. Rather than just complaining, let's explain how to do better. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like we should not... Just keep talking about what happened bad, but how can we implement change for the future mm. so people won't continuously lose their homes, you know? Mm. Or how do we get into homes? Because yeah. that's another thing, too. Are you working on your credit? Are you working on a job that will allow you to maintain a home? Right. Because say if your family member handed you a home today, mm -hmm. can you pay the mortgage? Can you pay the insurance? Can you pay all the things that come along with that? So, yeah, it sounds great and all. Like, oh, I want grandmother's home. 
but can you afford grandmother's home right, right. in the real sense? You know, then you end up losing it. Then now it's end up in a worse place than you just selling it from the beginning, you right. know? So it's all a strategic plan. Just have a plan for your life. And the plan should be ownership yeah. for everyone. Right. It doesn't really matter what state or place, but you should want to own something. Yeah. But not a lot of people are, are align, aligning themselves with ownership. Janae just gave it to you in real time, a first-hand account from a real estate agent, a successful one, by the way, on how things go down. God bless you, queen. Thank you. I appreciate Thank you so, so much. much Thank okay? you for having me. Oh, come on. It ain't going to be the last time. <laughs> I know, right? I'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for friending me on Instagram. By time. <laughs> oh, it's all good. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, sweetie. I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. That is Janae, and she is with Kingdom Royalty. Check her out. The Kingdom Royalty Boutique. Okay? Uh, check it out. Uh, we're having a conversation today. Let's get to Morris real fast because we get in. Morris been holding for a second. Talking about gentrification today. Morris, give me your height, your color, and your hood, King. I be six one, black man, which of course is a mindset, not a color. And I be from Long Beach. Long Beach checking in. Drop tag. Come on, Miles. Yay, yay, yay. What's going on, huh? Well, just I want to add to your library because I know I've already, I've already told you about the Doctrine of Christian Discovery, 14 pages. But the first paragraph says it all. Now, the next one is called The Color of Law, A Forgotten History of How the United States Government Segregated America. It's written by a guy named Richard Rothstein. Okay, you you got to read that. Now, the best example of what I'm talking about, you got to come to Long Beach, go to the corner of Downey and South Street. Now, if you travel eastbound on South Street, you're going to run into Lakewood, which is about $850,000 units. There's no racism. If y'all could afford to come on in there for $850,000, come on in. But however, when Lakewood was first established in 1953, you could not get title insurance to buy or sell that house if you were to sell it to somebody that was black. Now, let's get back on South and Downey. If you come westbound on South Street, you run into rentals. A lot of them subsidize, and a lot of the people that are there that look like us. So, you know, we've been dealing with stuff for a mighty, mighty long time. So we shouldn't ignore that. And I want to give you a call back in terms of black wealth, how to build black wealth. I got the ideas for it, brother. It's called, you know, we got to work collectively. We can start with the Crenshaw Mall. But that's for another conversation. Now, you say you'd be working out at the 24-hour fitness center down on Century. Come on down to Century in Yukon on Sundays, and you'll see me protesting in front of the SoFi Stadium because the Inglewood Unified School District is the only school district in the state of California that's in receivership, yet it's surrounded by more wealth than anybody other than the Hamptons in New York. What kind of politics is going on there? we got to Stop the school to prison pipeline. So come on down and say hello to me. If you got some soul food, I really want to see you. And thanks for this time, man. I appreciate you, King. Sentry in Yukon. Go on down there and check him out. That's the man with the master plan right now. Yeah. Having a conversation today on gentrification, right? And, uh, you know, this topic is compelling to me because I'm just always amazed at how we African Americans always love to say things out loud, right? You know, I went on a rant a few minutes ago, but. You know, we say things out loud, loud and post memes on our socials all the time about different social issues all the time. But when it comes down to it, we ain't down for the cause all the time. We ain't. You know, we'll get on there and post Black Wall Street and uh, buy black, black to the future. All that stuff, right? All day, every day, but barely step inside a black owned store ourselves. Right? Or we'll criticize the hell out of Donald Trump, right? Joe Biden. Everybody in Congress, everybody in D.C., we do it all the time, but ain't cast nan ballot on Election Day. And that's why I give some of us, not all of us, I give some of, some of us the side eye on this topic of gentrification. Because it's easy to tell Keisha not to sell grandma's home. But you ain't in Keisha's shoes, though. You ain't. Because 
Here's a question. If a white family offered you a million and a half and the black family is offering you 1.2, you ain't going to keep your blackness at the forefront end, are you? You sure? 1.5, 1.2. You going to keep your blackness out there? Stop it. You ain't. And that's what we're talking about today. How would you handle situations like that? And what are the overall and long-term effects of gentrification in our neighborhoods? That's the question. But we got to get some house cleaning in, Miles. <laughs> Can we do that now? How, how are we doing? We up against it? Can I fit them in? I'm going to try before we take some more phone calls here. Um, the Danny Mo Show podcast is officially live. Okay? Middays with Danny Morrison is now streaming on demand through all socials via Futuri Media. Asking ye shall receive because I get asked pretty often, when you going to be able to access past episodes of Middays on KBLA? It's now reality, y'all. I want you to follow me on all socials at Danny Mo Show and see the daily streaming links posted for each episode of this broadcast in podcast form. Huh? And you can stay close for additional information on the official database for the entire catalog and other streaming opportunities coming soon. Friday's episode of The Shortage of Good Black Men <laughs> is the first one out the gate and people are already accessing it all throughout the country. And that show was a doozy. You won't hear that again, trust me. Danny Mo Show podcast, streaming on Facebook, about to become meta, Instagram and Twitter, and powered by Smiley Audio Media by way of Futuri Media from KBLA Talk 1580. We got a lot to talk about. And obviously stream about too, right? And a Soulful Sundays Live presents the SNS Experience, uh, Steve Seal Curly's birthday bash. It's this coming Sunday at the Globe Theater, 740 South Broadway, right here in the city of Los Angeles. They're excited about it, celebrating another year. Four-time Grammy-nominated producer, remixer, Steve Silk Hurley. It's going to be hosted by George Daniels and Mark M. Doc Williams. Special guest appearances by Steve Silk himself, CeCe Peniston, Byron Stingley of Ten City, David Harness, Mellow Man Ace, and more. And he gave me a few pair of tickets to give out for the big event. So, as I mentioned yesterday, if you want tickets to this big show, download the KBLA app. Access the open mic feature and tell me that you want to go. I'm giving out two pair every single day this week on the show. You can go to that musical birthday extravaganza for free to celebrate the birthday of the inventor of the remix, in my opinion, Mr. Steve Silk Hurley. You want free tickets to Soulful Sundays Live presents the SNS Experience, Steve Silk Hurley's birthday bash Sunday at the Globe Theater. Get on our KBLA app right now. For more information or to cop some tickets in advance, Head to ctickets.us and search the SNS experience, Steve Silk Hurley's birthday bash. Cool? And stay on our socials. You know how to do Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Like, share, comment, YouTube as well. And download that app, Open Mic, the whole nine. Whew! I got through it, Miles! I got it all in. All right? When we come forward, I see your phone calls. Randy, I see you and you other beautiful black people, too. Holla at your boy, 1-800-920-1580, 1-800-920-1580. News and traffic right now. We will jump back into gentrification on the other side. Middays with Danny Morrison, KBLA. Stay there. Middays with Danny Morrison continues when we come forward.
Morrison until the wheels fall off. Middays with Danny Morrison continues right now. Right now. We are discussing gentrification today and what you would do if you were placed in the same situation that a lot of the king and queens out there, huh? You've suddenly become the owner of grandma's house and you stuck in between two situations. Do we stay in our family's generational homes and take the financial hit by taking the noble route or do we obtain financial independence and cash out. I got people coming in my threads here. Uh, that didn't sound right. <laughs> Y'all know what I mean. Get your daddy mind out the... <laughs> you know, so to speak. Okay. Uh, let me see. Herb, you are buying? Herbine, I don't know. He said, man, I have to get on your show. I just have to be interviewed by you or Tavis. I got to make this happen. <laughs> keep the property, keep it in the family, unless that price they are offering is in the millions. There is no reason to sell. A little more compli- complicated than that, King. A little more. Uh, Farron, <laughs> Farron Do- Here's this post, by the way. Someone ever taught the value of property gentrification. For me, it's just another repackaged word or inclusion by skin color or not being included in the preferred group. Currently and since the Romans took over the Greeks' library, White has been the preferred group. Well, that European white, not the Polish or Irish or Jewish or Italian white. But now they're included by color. So they got an attitude, too, like they are above the rest. My dad told me stories when he couldn't even cross exposition, let alone Adams and Western. So much for the melting pot. They had aspirations when they created all those documents for themselves. Themselves as the fathers of our nation. Facts. All men are created equal. My behind. Let's go to the phones. Is that Aisha? Oh, let me go to Randizzle first. Aisha, hold on. Let's go to Randy first. Randy, give me your height, your color, and your hood, King. Still 6'4". Black as night coming straight out of what? What? Check it in. Come on, drop that for my kid. Come on, man. My, my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Miles was on. I Miles forgot about you for a second there, man. What's going on? Man, make us think. Make us keep thinking. You know, I've, in, in 1988, I was, I was asked by Tom Bradley to step in on a project called the Watch Redevelopment Program, where they was going to come in and buy our neighborhood, convert, tear our houses down, and put it in a three-phase gated community. And everybody he put on there kept getting sold out. So he drove me out of the doggone, not he drove me out of the harbor, actually. And I, and I put this before the community in a vote. 50-50, half of them wanted to leave. And the average house in 19, this is like 1989 or so, was about between one hundred and twenty and $150,000. And what I explained to them was the heritage that we got when we moved in there, you know, then the riots came, and everybody put their money back in their pockets and run away. Now those same houses is five hundred thousand. Mm. Yeah, I mean we have to keep that property. You you know you can buy a car, but you can't you you, you can't build no land. You can't build land, Randy. But Whitla, I'm I'm trying not to speak in absolutes today. We all know that not everybody is in the same situation. How do you say to that family that is struggling financially and Grandma gone? To keep the house regardless. That's tough to say, King. It's impossible to say. And that's what we got to deal with. But you are educating us 
and we will and we keep listening to you, a lot of us are gonna make the right decision. You're the best thing that happened in Los Angeles, man. Oh wow. I'm telling you. Well, do I mean, not back up. Keep the foot down on the pedal. Don't give up. Because we have not been thinking. We have not been thinking in LA. That's where we are right now. You gotta realize the only neighborhood that was really ours was the east side. Yeah. They put that together they put that together in eighteen ninety, Central Avenue, and we gave that up. You know? I mean, we was not designed to move into Watts and Compton, but we're there now. Cut your grass. Okay, keep your house up. Live your life. Because we're in the middle of everything. The L.A. airport to, to, to the west of us, downtown to the north of us, the port to the south of us. That's why they want to come back in here. These people are tired of driving up through there, coming in from uh, – uh, uh, Silverado Canyon, yeah. and there was a forest fire. We already made it to work this morning. No, you dropping oh, facts. Wanted... You dropping facts because right here in Lamert Park, I see a whole lot of Caucasian people around here because they understand they're installing this train right next to our radio station. That's easy access. They're like, well, let, me, let me get this straight. I could buy property a little cheaper in Lamert Park, build up my house the way that I want, and I got the train that's going to take me wherever I need to go. That, that's what they're looking at. Yeah, we got to start. We got to think, and I'm glad you're here. Make us think. Make us think, man. I appreciate I, you. Randy, that means everything to me, man. And I ain't going to take my my foot off the gas pedal. You already know how I get down. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to make us think, but I'm also here to bring us together best I can. Because enough. Miles and I have talked about multiple times on this broadcast how we harm one another. It just breaks my heart, man. I cannot believe everything we go through as a people. We have the audacity to harm each other. It trips me out. When I see a brother killing a brother, I go, wow. Do you see what we've gone through? You must not know. You must not know your history. You must not know every single time we put a bullet in one another, white people smile. So anything that I can do to make sure that we bring community and culture together, I'm going to do best I can. Randy, I appreciate you, King. All right. All right, man. I'm going through Bakersfield right now. <laughs> Drive fast. Go fast, man. Don't stop. Don't stop at no convenience stores or nothing, man. You'll get like a burning sensation. I'm just saying. I even uh, a stop sign that city. <laughs> Leave my town alone. It ain't even like that. Oh, through the school zone. By the way, it's, it's one of the fastest growing cities in America, just to let you know, because the cost of living is crazy. I mean, dandelions do grow flat. So <laughs> You're right. Mold. Mold grows. Mold does grow pretty fast. <laughs> I hate you so much. I love you at the same time. Aisha, get up in it. Aisha, she was a girl that I never had, and I want to get to know her. Boom, 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 boom. Height, color, hood, queen. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Give me your height, your color, and your hood. You know how we do. Come on. You know, this is Aisha Steele. I'm presenting from View Park, Windsor Hills area. There it is. View Park, Windsor Hills. All right. Now, give me some perspective here. You kind of had like a little personal situation yourself here on gentrification. Go on to break it down. I'm out two minutes until I'm up against it. So go ahead and take the mic. I, I got you. I got you. I, I find it interesting, even just listening to your previous caller and you saying it with your chest, which I think is very important. But we have to check about choice and knowing that just because you're given the opportunity to make millions and you want to keep your community black, we have to educate ourselves on what exactly the choice is we want for our legacy. 
you speak about Bakersfield. You are 100% on point that Bakersfield is one of the fastest growing cities in L.A. right now, being California. So why not take the coin that you're going to make from the house that's in Compton or Watts or View Park and go out there and buy five to seven new homes in Bakersfield? That's generational wealth as well. So I think that the shaming that comes with, hey, you're not going to sell to a black family or you're not going to keep the home and remodel it could be short-sighted in that there's other views and paths that can get you to black excellence, if that's the key. Now, selfishly, I am disappointed right now because my community is changing. And I was very thoughtful to wanting my boys to see people that look like them, as we've chatted before, doctors, veterinarians, janitors, artists from all scopes of life. I like walking outside, going to Monteith Park, and they're surrounded by that. I can go a ton of places and be surrounded by people that don't look like me. So I wanted View Park to stay that way. So I'm not here with any definitive. I'm just here to share that you got to have choice and there needs to be a little bit of grace for how you go about getting to your own excellency. So who do you give advice to? I'm up against it here. Who do you give advice to? Like um, if you're a black family and you just had a death in the family, grandma's house is now up and you it belongs to you. What is your first call? Where can a person turn if they want to get options available to them? I think they need to talk to an accountant, and I think they need to find out what what tax bracket they're in so they can make those those choices. If you have a, a crap ton of debt, and if you're sitting on medical bills, you may not be in a position to say, hey, I'm going to be the MLK of this generation and fall on the sword and keep this house here while we're house poor, while we have other other outstanding things we need to get taken care of. So I would first say, go talk to a financial advisor, someone that could really give you an honest opinion on what should we do with this upcoming wealth. And then you can network. You can network and say, hey, if I am going to sell, I want to be strategic to making sure I'm selling to someone that looks like me. Now, I know that's not necessarily above board, but there's a lot of things that happen that aren't above board. But I think that would be my first my first thing. Would go, go to a financial advisor and then be very thoughtful about who I sell the home to. Because you got to it. Come in and set it on fire, unsurprisingly. I appreciate you, Queen. Thank you so much. <laughs> you, know, okay. <laughs> you know I love you. I love you too, sweetie. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Talk to you later. Bye. Yeah, man. It's a crazy conversation. You know what's funny about this whole thing, Miles? You got, okay, so the white population is coming in wanting to buy our homes. But the reason we don't have the capital to keep our homes black is because the, of the systemic racism that they've inflicted upon us for generations. It's like full circle. We can't compete with them because they have kept their knee on our neck, so to speak. For generations. So now they're even coming in saying, you know, those used to be white neighborhoods, but we're going to turn them white again. Why? Because we have kept resources away from your neighborhood. And we still won't shop black because Keisha got an attitude. It, man, I, it burns me up. They don't care about us, man. All I want to say is that they don't really care about us. Shout out to Michael Jackson. Real talk. They don't. But again, I hate to keep going back to it. If you the Johnson family. And a white family comes in and goes, what's your highest bid? <laughs> and you go, well, we had somebody come in earlier today and they said 1.2. I've got 1.5 in my hand right now. What's your move? Excuse me? 
already know what your move. And the black family that asked got me one point two from a yeah. black family. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, one point. What? <laughs> well, a black family to offer you one point two. You gotta understand how incredible that is. You saying you would take the lower number? Is oh, that... oh God, I'm taking the. Risk. You would? I'm surprised by oh, that. Oh, my mama. Yes, I'm taking. Yes. What? Wow. See, I don't think that's normal. It's not. It's definitely not. I'm shocked you would do it because you know you missed it. You know, pop collar. You know, riding the rip. You know, that's you. I'm surprised you would do that. But if it's 1.2, like well, you said. Well, here's the thing, man. If I'm selling a $1.5 million house, I got some more money in the, in the tank. Okay. That's true. That's true. And plus, if the if the margin was bigger, like if they said, black family said, we got 800 grand, and then the white family come in, we got 1.5. We got double. That's a different discussion, right? <laughs> I won't sell to the white family until I find the black family. Tell them you'll get your money right, get your... Wow. So yeah. you would hold out as long as you can until the black family came up. Oh, man, for sure. Most definitely. Now, why can't we all be like that? Is that pie-in-the-sky approach, though? Is that real? I think it's, it can happen. Some people are under the gun. They're like, we got to sell it before this. And, you know, property taxes are due. Do, 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 do. That's what I'm saying. That's, it, it, it's, that's in an ideal situation. Yeah. But I'm just saying, if I have a $1.5 million offer on a house please believe that's not the only 1.5 million dollar house that i have that i'm selling yeah you balling already yeah that's a good point 1-800-920-1580 as i said you know i won't do a seven series today i will just take y'all phone calls we've done that and if you still want to chime in we got people holding but we could jump in you could jump in right now 1-800-920-1580 give me your personal perspective on what you think of gentrification and what we as African-Americans, our responsibilities are as it's related to it. I'd love to hear from you. Midtakes with Danny Morrison on KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. We know you have options, but thank you. Thank you for making the best choice. The only station in L.A. of the people, by the people, for the people. We are unapologetically progressive. KBLA Talk 1580. Broadcasting live from Lamar Park, USA. Welcome back to your home for unapologetically progressive radio. KBLA Talk 1580. Yes, sir. Me and Danny Morrison. KBLA Talk 1580. Really comprehensive conversation about gentrification today. I loved all of you guys calling in the way that you have. It's been a great discussion. We should do it more, for sure. I've always uh, noticed how any single time we come in and we have like a community discussion on any topic, a myriad of topics. Y'all blow up my phones. I would only hope that you would also blow up the businesses at the same time. And say, you know what? We got to help each other out. Help us help us. You know? Because, look, this whole thing, I understand the cultural sacrifices that are created by non-black people moving into our hoods. I know what's up, right? But there's like some additional circumstances that provide imbalances that many don't take into account. I pulled some... uh, some numbers last night. You know, I always try to bring you some statistics, right? A 2020 study by then University of Florida sociologist Brendan Beck showed that, quote, in average, on average, calls to the police increased after a neighborhood's middle class population grew, end quote. While Beck did not find that those calls translated into more stops or low level arrests, he did find that, quote, police made more order maintenance and proactive arrests following real estate market growth, end quote. Meaning, you don't think that when white people come into our neighborhoods that they won't try to force their beliefs on us? Huh? Well, they think that the music is too loud 
at the barbecue next door? Huh? Can we throw the football around in the street still? Huh? Or they gonna call the police on you? Or they gonna call? That's what we talking about right now. Can our families? You know how we show up on Sundays, man. Can our families pack the streets out? Now the Brad's in our neighborhood. Can we still do that? Here's another one. Check it out. George Washington University professor Suleiman Osman wrote in his 2011 book, The Invention of Brownstone Brooklyn, quote, Stories abounded of renters in Brooklyn being pressured by landlords to leave revitalizing areas. But non-revitalizing blocks with high rates of abandonment and demolition saw rates of displacement that were just as high, end quote. Meaning, if a landlord can move in a white family for the same or more cash... I want you to think about it for a second. You don't think they won't start doing things to force you out eventually? Huh? You don't think they would rather deal with white people than us? Huh? You don't think they will start devising ways to get us out and move in another white family? You don't think that's going to happen? Huh? Maybe even a recommendation from the white family they moved in? Hey, I know somebody. It's like, we got to get the Jackson family out then. I'm telling you how things are cyclical. It'll go down. It will. And one more. We up against it. Give me one more here. I got stats for days. We could do this. And lastly, check it out. A recent New York Times article features a black Brooklyn homeowner who went to talk to a new white neighbor and was mistaken as a panhandler. He said, and I quote, I went over the strike conversation and before I could finish the sentence, he told me that he didn't have any money. He told the Times. Stories like this of black homeowners watching their neighborhoods change around them abound, often with the earlier residents experiencing culture shock as the new entrants treat them or longstanding cultural markers with disdain, is what it says. Meaning, you don't think that a lot of these people don't harbor the same microaggressions they've always had? Huh? Huh? Don't assume just because they're moving into all neighborhoods that they are less racist. That's not the way it goes down. Saw how they did uh, the natives. That's, come on. Come on, Miles, man. You dropping bombs like that? Real talk, man. They still hold the same prejudices they always have. They're just closer in proximity to us. Don't get it twisted. I don't know. Middays with Danny Morrison, KBLA. Stay there. Making your middays meaningful. More of Danny Morrison straight ahead. History is now, and you are part of it. Thank you for spending your days with KBLA Talk 1580. Let's jump back into the conversation. We've got a lot to talk about. Talk about. Midday is Danny Morris with KBLA Talk 1580. I am up against it for show, but uh, a beautiful queen, black-owned business, uh, EBL Hair is on the phone. She was in my DM saying there's a difference between a will and a trust, and I said, come on the show and break it down. Come on up in here, queen. Height, color, hood. Hi, how are you? Hi, give me your height, color, hood. You know how we do. Okay, my name is Tashiro Johnson. Um, like you said, I'm the owner of EBL here. I'm coming from uh, Rolling <laughs> Heights, California. Okay, there you, <laughs> Rolling Heights, California. She took the long way around, like we ain't pressed on time. Got you. All right, now tell the difference between a trust and a will real fast. Really fast. The difference is a will can be contested, as we've heard um, over and over on the station today. A living trust cannot is something that cannot be contested because it was done um, when that person was in their right mind. 
Um, so, no one can contest a living trust, but a will can be contested. Um, like the gentleman earlier was saying, you know, they were saying like his mental capacity and all of those things. So it's better to have a living trust um, instead of a will. And that's something everyone should probably look into. My dad's a financial advisor, and he has educated me and gotten me prepared for a lot of those things. So You are fantastic. That's an important conversation. Shop EBL Hair is her handle on Instagram. God bless you, Queen. Call more often, okay? Okay, thank you. All right, I'm out to do. Good luck. God bless. Gone. The D.L. Hughley Afternoon Show is up next. I will see y'all tomorrow. Keep it on KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.